Good morning, friends. I am taping this message today, looking out the window at beautiful Table Rock Lake at Big Cedar Lodge in Hollister, Missouri, near Branson, taking a week's vacation. Now, today we're going to take a look at one of Jesus' most famous sayings and consider what it teaches us about rediscovering him. The passage is found near the beginning of the oldest account of the life of Jesus. It's the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. You know, I always thought this story was kind of peculiar because it sounds like Jesus called out to two complete strangers to follow, and they dropped everything and began walking in this direction with their arms stuck straight out in front of them in a trance, kind of like a science fiction zombie movie. But this isn't how it was. Jesus wasn't a stranger in this region, and he probably wasn't a stranger to Simon and Andrew. He had been connected to the ministry of John the Baptist and had been preaching in the area for a while, and there's no reason not to think that Simon and Andrew were already familiar with him. I say this because I want you to realize that their decision to follow Jesus was not that much different than ours. He called to them like he calls to you today. It is in answering that call we fully discover who Jesus is. We can know him only casually from a distance. We can know him only slightly through books. We really get to know him by following him. Now, there are three things about Jesus' call that I want to point out to us today. And first of all, what it means to follow. Verse 17, come follow me, Jesus said. Now, this is different than what you would expect from a mere prophet. They most often said, follow God, or follow the way of righteousness, or follow the law. Jesus said, follow me. It's an important distinction for a couple of reasons. One, Jesus is establishing himself as a leader, as an authority. And two, Jesus is making it very clear that the life of discipleship is not a life of just thinking and knowing and discussing ideological principles. It's a life of actually living them out. When Jesus said, follow me, he was saying, go where I go, do what I do, talk like I talk, live like I live. He's inviting us to imitate him. We need to remember that living the Christian life has a lot to do with, it has a lot to do with just trying to be like Christ. And this seems like a rather obvious thing to say, but I've been in too many Christian situations where the predominant attitude was anything but Christ-like. Sadly, I've been in churches where leaders refused to get along, where elders tried to hoard power, where Sunday school teachers gossiped about this person and that one, where certain members made no attempt to hide their contempt for others. And the shocking truth is that all of this was done in the open with seemingly no shame and no effort to hide it. And these are churches that pride themselves on being evangelical, cutting edge, and closer to the original than other churches. It's amazing, this type of behavior. Now, I wish you could, I could say it was rare, but I can't. But fortunately, in, in my ministry life, it's been rare. And I pray that it's also been rare in your life. Now, Jesus called us to follow him. That means he wants us to act like he did, to reflect his values and his ethics. These must be lived out in our relationships with others at home, at work, and at church. 
Now, you want to know something that bothers me a little bit? It's the fact that most pastors of really large churches admit that their church was built, went through its greatest growing stage during times when the pastor often exhibited the most unchristlike behavior. Now, of course, I'm not talking about sexual sin or financial dishonesty, but I am talking about behavior far from the imitation of Christ. Most megachurch pastors, when they tell their story, talk about how they went through a phase of leadership that did not reflect the core values of our Savior. <clears throat> I don't want to name names, and while I admit the willingness of leaders to admit their faults, it's a troubling truth that many, quote, kingdoms we aspire to imitate have been built by ambitious men who neglected their families and led staffs that were in constant turmoil. I don't know about you, friends, but this isn't the way church should be. It isn't the way the Christian life should be. This isn't what following Jesus is all about. Now, my point here is not to stand in accusation of others. My point is that we need to stand in evaluation of ourselves. <clears throat> Are we doing life the way Jesus wants us to do it? We've got to, we've got to get past the idea that Jesus demands success, and as long as we're successful, the end justifies the means. Jesus didn't call us to lead for him, to conquer for him, or to build for him. He called us, well, you guessed it, to follow him. That means that we do whatever we do like he would do it. It means that compassion and mercy must define our lives more than judgment. It means we have absolutely no room for arrogance or condensation, pride or self-righteousness, no room for an unforgiving spirit. In challenging you to rediscover Jesus, I hope that you will zero in on this crucial aspect of the disciples' life. We are called to imitate Jesus. No amount of success is a suitable substitute to our fulfilling this calling. When Jesus said, follow me, he was saying, be like me, live like me, act like me. Now, second of all, I hope you notice how your life can have meaning. And here's a phrase that I'm sure you've heard before, verse 17. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. One of my favorite stories from the corporate world is about the time Steve Jobs, co-founder of Apple Computers, offered the job of Apple CEO to John Scully. At the time, Scully was head of Pepsi. He was happy in his position, so he politely declined the offer, telling Steve that he wasn't at all interested. But Jobs looked Scully in the eye and said, are you telling me you would rather sell sugared water for the rest of your life when you could lead a company that will change the world? The offer suddenly appealed to Scully, and he left Pepsi and took over Apple computers. That makes sense, doesn't it? All things being equal, wouldn't you rather have a job with significance than one without? Of course you would. I mean, this is built into us. We want to accomplish something worthwhile with our lives. That, that's why Jesus called Simon and Andrew is so very compelling. He told them instead of fishing for fish, they could be fishing for men. Now, understand, fishing wasn't a bad profession. In fact, it was a crucial part of the Galilean economy. Providing food so that a community can sustain itself is an important contribution. <clears throat> but Jesus promised them something even more. He said, follow me and you'll catch men. You won't spend your life merely supporting the local economy. You'll invest your life building the world's community. In other words, you're going to change some lives. This is the heart of the promise that Jesus makes to everyone. Follow me, and your life will go from mediocrity to meaning. 
He will help you find significance you never knew before. Well, third, you need to begin today right where you are. Verse 18 says, at once. At once they left their nets and followed him. I love that, at once. That's the phrase I want to draw your attention to. They did not wait. I mean, this is an important aspect of following Jesus. You start today. Simon and Andrew didn't put off answering Jesus' call. They didn't wait until they were perfect or until they were worthy. They just dropped their nets and began following him. Now, i got to tell you, I, I've been really wanting to lose a little weight uh, lately. But, you know, then there was Christmas, and then there was New Year's, and the bowl games, and then I got the flu, so I put it off a little longer, and now I'm on a week's vacation, and, well, you know how it is. I, I keep planning to drop a few pounds, but there's always something in my way. Now, I really don't like sharing this illustration, but I tell it to make a point. This is what we often do in our relationship to God. We keep thinking we'll get serious about discipleship once we round the next corner, once we finish the next project, or once we get by the next obstacle, or, and we keep putting off getting serious about getting close to God. Friends, there's only one way to do it. Start today, at once. Don't wait until you're perfect or circumstances are perfect. I mean, after all, they never will be. So just decide today that you'll get serious about following Jesus. I mean, Jesus didn't have much tolerance for vacillation. Did you ever notice that? Matthew 8, 21 and 22. Then another one of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, why would Jesus be so harsh to this follower? Well, it sounds as if the man is saying, my father has passed away, so please give me a few days off to tend to the details of the funeral. Now, scholars agree that this is not what he was saying at all. I mean, this man was making an excuse. I mean, there was no family death, no funeral. He was actually saying, let me finish my responsibilities at home. Let me wait until my father has died. Let me first receive my inheritance, and then I will follow you. This was not acceptable to Jesus, and it's not acceptable now. He calls us to follow him now. That means you begin Well, you know, now. Please keep in mind, though, that this isn't merely a call to salvation. It's a call to discipleship. Some of you who are listening today have been believers for years, even decades, and you keep putting off getting serious about following Jesus. You want to be really committed to Jesus, deeply involved in serving him, walking with him every day, devoted to him in prayer, someday. And yet you keep pushing the deadline back, thinking, I'll get to this Eventually, maybe tomorrow. Well, friends, today's the day, and now is the time. Decide right here at this moment to leave your nets and get serious about following him. And if you do, here's what you can expect. Your life will begin to count like it never has before. You will move from mediocrity to meaning. You'll become a fisher of men. And friends, let me remind you that Jesus calls you to a personal relationship with him. And that's really that's really important. It, it begins at salvation, and it continues through the rest of your journey through the, his life until you see him face to face. He wants you to encounter him, to know him, to experience him, to become like him. And he wants to fill your life with miracles and with meaning. 
I hope and pray you will begin a quest in your life to rediscover Jesus, to know him as you have never known him before, to follow him more closely than you have ever you ever have before, and to love him more than you ever have before. Jesus can be found in the Gospels. And so I encourage you once again to read from them every day. Meet him there and allow him to introduce himself to you. Now also Jesus can be found in the solitude of your room, your office, your front porch, in a quiet park, anywhere you can get alone with him. And I encourage you to meet with him every day. Reach out and touch the hem of his garment so that he can do his work in your life. Make an effort to experience his presence and fullness. After all, he's waiting for you to know him and to know him now.